Good evening and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses here on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. Um, and thank you for your patience if you have been tuned in live waiting. Some may say that I was doing a column and waiting patiently for 1903 to go live and not having technical difficulties when I couldn't hear Callum. But again, some people might say not hearing Callum is a bit of a blessing. Uh, anyway, Callum, on that pleasant note, how are you doing? Thanks, Glenn. I feel really good uh, at the start of the show now after that. So actually, no, I, I'm well. I'm excited for the start of the season. I Every time I'm like, oh, it's been a long season. Kind of glad that's over with. And then after two weeks, I'm chomping at the bit to get going again. And I'm so glad it's finally coming round. And we're going to preview it. And we've got a signing, potentially two at some point to talk about. So I'm you know, delighted. I know some may say that was another reason for the delay. Um, coming up on the show, we will be previewing first up the opening weekend's fixture with um, Talk Livy host Ewan Rankin. We'll then be getting into Callum's favourite part of the show as well when we discuss all things transfer talk as well. And then we'll be um, capping off any other business, which um, for some of you might include an exciting opportunity to join me um, on the podcast since Callum decided not to plan his holidays with the footballing calendar. Um, so I'll be uh, missing a co-host for some key games. So I'll be paging the likes of Phil Mayer, Johnny Main and Beth Wallace. But if anyone else fancies a go in the co-host seat, then I'm sure to drop us a message. But Callum, you said you're excited to get back to footballing action. I'm excited as well. And I'm also excited to get um, Ewan on the show as well. Ewan's um, been on plenty of times before. He's had a busy week. He's been talking to the Livingston manager. He's been on Open Goal as well. And I'm sure for those of you that have watched the Open Goal fans forum, he won't be taking up as much time in terms of talking as much as Erin did from an Aberdeen perspective. Erin, I know you can take that one as a good joke. Um, but yeah, let's get Ewan onto the show, Callum. Ewan. Welcome along to Red Tinted Glasses and joining us live as well. So um, not your first rodeo on doing live podcasting. Yeah, I know. I've, as you said there, I've had a I've had a busy week with the old podcast and I was podcasting until about 11pm on, on Monday night there. So it's just being a Livingston fan and somebody that does podcasting, we're a rare breed. So mm -hmm. I tend to be in fairly popular demand at this time of the season for previews and things like that. So yeah, it's been very busy, but thank you again, boys, for having me on. It's a pleasure as always. Well, I'm glad with your busy schedule you can fit us in. Um, <laughs> I suppose, Ewan, we'll start with your thoughts on how Livingston's pre-season's gone. Um, I spoke to you yesterday as part of the, the Talk Livy preview, um, and you spoke about um, Livingston's defence and how that is an area that you've looked to, to shore up over the course of the, the close season. So going into the start of the season... How are you feeling from a, from a Livy point of view? Because, again, something we, we talked about yesterday is that many pundits, and I'm sure some fans alike, will have you probably written off already at the start of the season. Yeah, I think we tend to get written off most seasons, in fairness, and folk have us kind of in that bracket of struggling, and we've kind of always defied the odd season on season. But I think just the, the manner in which last season ended, it was our worst goals conceded. I think it was 60 conceded in the league last year, which is our most since promotion and it was a lowest goal scored as well I think it was a minus 24 goal difference over the course of the campaign so there's kind of the best way I can put it from last season is eighth place was a good season in my eyes anything 10th place and above is a good season for Livingston but there was worrying trends kind of settling in in the latter part from kind of February onwards 
We also went on a run of eight away games without a goal, eight defeats on the bounce, which I think is a new top flight record, which is not something that you want to have. But no. so Davey had made a point, you know, I was chatting to him, as you said, on Monday there. And I think his kind of ethos over the over the pre-season period is, is trying to get us back to being that difficult to beat Livingston now the likes say you would normally have pundits saying, oh, they're always difficult to break down, they're well-organised, and I think he's really wanting to get back to that. He's kind of switched our back three in pre-season, and it's a 3-4-2-1 with kind of two inverted 10s playing in behind the number nine. And so far, so good. Albeit, you need to take into account we've been playing lower league opposition, albeit a couple of the bounce games where we played Carlisle and played Rangers as well at their training ground through in Ockenhoy. And... We only conceded nine, uh, sorry, two goals in the nine games. So there's a progression there, and albeit still some teething problems, you could probably say from a couple of the games overall with the system. But we have looked more solid. We've not been given up as many kind of opportunities as we probably did last year, and there seems a bit more physicality about our our backline as well this year compared to I think Davey made a point of saying Iobali was out injured from I think kind of beginning of March last year and we probably missed Io a lot more than he anticipated we would and it's it's been clear to see he's been the anchor in that back three in these games and he's he certainly, that, certainly added that physicality back into the backline Yeah and Callum I suppose it's interesting it's kind of maybe going to be a bit of a battle of the back threes this weekend then judging by how Livingston have been lining up in pre-season is Livingston away a, a tricky opening start to this season, given, as I kind of said to you and on, on their podcast, that all the expectation and pressure is on us going into this weekend. No one's, with a grace of respect to Livingston, probably expecting them to go and turn us over. So with following up with Celtic at home um, next weekend, it really puts a lot of pressure on Aberdeen to go out and, and get points on the board. And I know... Ewan probably feels the same because Livingston have quite a tough opening set of fixtures. I mean, yeah, I think um, going to Livingston recently uh, has not been easy for Aberdeen. Um, whether you know you you play that, they put that to the credit of the their their team on the pitch or the pitch itself. Uh, that's <laughs> up for debate. Probably a combination of them both. So there's definitely. Definitely pressure. I mean, it's one on the bingo three. card for me, Callum. There we go. <laughs> Maybe David should spend some of that last bits of budget that he's got left there on the pitch, mind you. But uh, there you go, take that one off as well. Uh, Added add a bit of pressure, I think, the fact it's opening day of the season. You always want to start uh, with a good start. Recently, uh, not so much in Barry's time, but over, over the past few years, we've very much struggled on the road and uh, mm. at all and let alone especially at Livingston so it's a tough one and um, it did concern me a little bit you and saying they've played nine games uh, whereas to my knowledge we have played five um, yeah. I'm sure there's maybe a couple other behind closed doors games that we've maybe played but they'll probably be sharp they've played competitive football um, that, that is a little bit of a concern to me but it's vital that we do uh, despite all of these uh, things not going in our favour which sounds ridiculous to be saying. Um, we need to we need to start with three points, and I don't care how we get it. If uh, Livingston wants to sign Matt Stray, check back up again to throw the ball into his net, then I'm okay with that. That might be another one for Ewan's bingo card as well. <clears throat> Speaking to Johnny Bain, um, who's a, a fan of the show, he was along at the. Um, 
Cup game against Cove Rangers and you and Johnny picked out the fact that Livingston were very organised but were extremely threatening from set pieces and I think that's an area that Livingston have, in my mind, always been threatening at um, is set pieces. Is that probably an area that you'd be looking to hurt Aberdeen at the weekend or who would be the kind of key players um, that you'd mark from a Livingston point of view that could cause Aberdeen problems? I know Stephen Kelly's a, a player maybe many have in their fantasy team going into this weekend. Yeah, the kind of set play myth with Livingston FC has, has become apparent with pundits and things like that the last few years. I think if you go and look at the stats, certainly defensively, and probably from an attacking point of view as well, in terms of goals scored, goals conceded from set plays, we've actually been one of the highest in the league for the last three seasons, I think. So again, that was something that the manager was talking about uh, to me, myself on Monday, was that he's wanting to be stronger in that department. And as you kind of mentioned there, the Cove game were opening two goals by Tom Parks and I, Obelai, both centre-halves coming up from the back, managed to score from two of the set plays. So, And the third one from Bruce Anderson comes from a cross ball as well. So it's probably an element that we've been working on over the course of the season. I've noticed we're, we're playing short corners and trying to create different angles from set plays and things like that as well. So it is something that, again, has clearly been worked on over the course of the summer. But in terms of the, the major threats, player that I'm really looking forward to watching again for us this season, Stephen Kelly, he he racked up the vast majority. I think it was all 4,289 of our Player of the Year awards. Stephen Kelly just about won. And I fancy him to have a, another very good campaign. That's who we've now taken up player sponsorship after he stole Nicky Devlin from us. Mm-hmm. But And Joe Nubley and Bruce Anderson are kind of the other obvious ones that kind of front three rotates a little bit, I would say. You know, Joel's been the number nine. Bruce has dropped a bit deeper at times in these week cup games and then vice versa. Nubley's kind of dropped back into that 10 and Bruce has gone up as the number nine. So there's a bit of rotation in that kind of front three, but Stephen Kelly's the one for us that has the creative spark and can make us tick. And he, he has a bit of an eye for the spectacular. Again, talking about that Cove game, he's two goals in that game. One was a 25-yard cracker into the top corner and the other was a fantastic volley. And he's highlight reel from last year. He doesn't score one, he doesn't score goals inside the box. He he offers a bit of threat from range. Yeah, and um speaking of Nicky Devlin, I'm sorry we couldn't continue the podcast sponsorship theme. We didn't have a, a spare three and a half grand lying about to sponsor a, a first team player. H- how do you think it's gonna be for Nicky Devlin going back to, to Livingston on, on Saturday? I'm sure he'll be getting a decent reception. Oh, he absolutely deserves a good reception. You know, I was talking about this last season and a section of our support were giving Nicky quite a hard time second half of last season because maybe his performances had dipped and natural as a football fan, you know, a player's out of contract and you just think they've they've downed tools, but that's definitely not the type of guy that Nicky is. Having got to know him, you know, fairly well through the kind of sponsorship stuff we've done uh, for him the last three years. But in my eyes, he's, he's up there with the kind of Dave McKay's, David McNamee's in terms of the best right backs that we've had at the club in our history. He's He's been that good for the football club in the last four years that he's been there, almost 150 appearances, two years as captain, a League Cup final, top six finish and multiple kind of player of the year awards. So he deserves as good a reception as any kind of former Livingston player. Uh, in my opinion, he's he's been simply superb when he was at Livingston and 
thought enough I actually messaged them when the when the fixture got announced and just said that was inevitable but helped the Lions get off to a flyer on opening day we we won in the back of his own net when they go a miss to get the Lions up and running for the season <laughs> yeah I know you've um, dropped uh, Nicky Devlin a message Callum I think we should be dropping a message to our new Instagram follower um, after Duke met, uh, followed us both on Instagram uh, on Friday night uh, to both our surprise. So I'm sure we'll be dropping him a message to ask him to put uh, the ball in the back of the net. Callum, on Aberdeen going into this game, Barry Robson spoke in his post-match, uh, no, pre-match press conference today about taking the game to Livingston, trying to attack from the off and use the speed of the game. Probably something we saw in that opening 45 minutes of our last preseason game over Charlton in which the Dons won 3-2. Is that important for us is to really kind of not let Livingston almost settle into the game and again with the greatest of respect in in terms of maybe using a footballing cliche, let Livingston kind of park the bus and us having to try and work out how best to, to break them down? I think over recent times especially, obviously things might be very different going into the new season uh, under by Robson when he's been able to shape the squad a little bit more to his liking. But when we have had to attempt to break teams down uh, and they have really, really sat in, we have massively struggled. Now, I don't think Livingston are necessarily going to do that because they absolutely have players, uh, as you both mentioned earlier, uh, that that can hurt us. I mean, Joel Newblay is capable of anything on his day, whether his day will mm-hmm. come, I don't know. But, uh, and Bruce Anderson obviously gets a chance, especially against Aberdeen, he'll take it and absolutely fucking love it, uh, unfortunately. But I don't know. I, th- I think it is important that we do start off and control and set the tone of the match because although, you know, Livingston, difficult to break down, as I mentioned, they are very, very capable on their day. And if we turn up in big numbers uh, in the stands. How often recently has think that has that gone badly where you think, oh, we've got basically a home game here. We've got the majority of the crowd here and the pressure's been too much. So it's important that they do control things and keep us on the side uh, and not get frustrated. Yeah, no, I definitely. And I think it also like listening to, to Barry speaking about the team news going into this weekend, Reese Williams set to miss out Angus McDonald's touch and go due to his freak injury that he said was down to a fall. Going back to the bingo card of the, the plastic pitch, Callum, do you risk Angus McDonald this weekend if he is touch and go? Uh, obviously, we've got Slobodan Rubicic in line to make his debut. Jack Mill, Nicky Devlin can all play uh, across the defence as well. Do you risk Angus McDonald this weekend if he is touch and go or leave him um, and have him fully fit for Celtic next weekend? Uh, if he's touch and go, I wouldn't I wouldn't risk him. Um, he didn't feature in any of the pre-season friendlies, uh, which yeah. and then I think to bring him back off there, uh, after a freak injury, which as you say was a fall, um, which makes him sound unbelievably old, um, would be a risk on on that pitch and all, I guess physical side with Livingston as well. Um, I I personally wouldn't risk it if he was on the bench. I'd be happy, um, mm. you know, there if called upon, uh, if required, and also suggests he would be then ready to go against Celtic. Yeah, no, and. I'll let you uh, defend that comment, Ewan, about the physical approach that Livingston may ad- adopt uh, in the game. Is that something you think Livingston will go with um, on Saturday? What, what sort of approach do you think Davy will have the, the team um, in terms of facing Aberdeen? 
Well, certainly, if Shamal George is back available because he's served his suspension at the tail end of the last season, so he should start be starting between the sticks. The the back three in the last couple of league cup games is probably what I think you'll go with, which has been Mikey Devlin, Iobali, and Tom Parks as a kind of back three who are all very big and physical and can put themselves about. So that's probably what I would suggest the back three is going to be. The only one that might change out of that is Tom Parks for, for Morgan Boys. In terms of the, the midfield two that might sit in front of them, Jason Holt's probably a shoo-in to be there. And again, the last couple of games, it's been Andrew Shinney that's been playing in with him. But we signed the boy from Accrington Stanley in the summer called Mo Sangari, who's seen as a, a bit of a direct replacement for Stefan Omionga. But if you put them side by side, you wouldn't say they should be a direct replacement for each other because Mo Sangari's kind of in that six foot bracket compared to Omionga, who is about five foot seven. So uh, it's probably a toss up who will play in that area of the park. Possibly Sean Kelly as well might play in there with Jason Holt. Again, adds a little bit of height. Good, good dead ball delivery as well from Sean Kelly as well. And either side of that, it's been James Penrice has been on the left-hand side and he's played Christian Montano on the right-hand side, which personally, I'm not a fan of. I don't think you get the best out of Christian. In particular, when he was playing at left-back last year, coming from deep, he was arguably one of our best players last season. And then, as I say, that front three I mentioned earlier on, It'll depend who he starts there. Scott Pittman's obviously a regular in the side and can play in that role kind of as a 10. And maybe because we'll expect not to have as much of the ball, he might put Scott Pittman in there because of how good a job he does off the ball when we're out with possession in terms of the ground that he covers. So it, there's probably a couple of areas where Davey's got a, a, a slight headache, which, were the, as I say, would probably be in the, the kind of two centre midfielders in there and who he plays in his front three. But that's probably the biggest headaches I would say we'd have. Interesting to hear. I was just making notes of those players because I had Penrose in my team, but I wasn't sure if he's cheaper or more expensive than some of your other defenders from the fantasy league. So that's where the notes were being taken for. Callum, I suppose for us, the biggest kind of selection headache is um, Barry Robson mentioned after the Charlton game is who we start with up top. Um, Duke Miowski, obviously the ones we know um, and have come to know what to expect from. But Esther Sokler impressing in pre-season. Do you think it will just be the tried and tested Duke Miofsky up top this weekend? I think so. Um, providing Miofsky's fit enough to start, which um, given the fact he's featured, he's scored obviously against Charlton, you'd expect uh, he's ready to go. I think those two deserve the start from the off, off and then it's sort of their position in the team to lose to Esther Sokler, who's obviously going to be jumping at the bit to get in there and has been amongst the goals in pre-season. But I think it's got to be the tried and tested Duke Miofsky. And then now we've actually got that bonus of not taking on Marley Watkins if we're looking for a goal, but Esther Sokler and I suppose Alfie Bavage too. Yeah, Sean Neville's going to be furious at your um, slander to, to Marley Watkins. But yeah, no, I think I'm excited to have that pace and touch that, that Esther Sokler provides and a bit of quality coming off the bench as well. But I guess, Callum, as well, the biggest talking point going into this game, and we'll kind of come on to it a little bit later on in the show, will be who starts in the centre of midfield alongside Graham Shinney and, and Leighton Clarkson with, of course, the transfer talks surrounding Yilba Ramadani. I guess we'll quote Johnny Hayes and say we could launch our secret weapon in Dante Polvara um, this weekend. Uh, I suppose a bit of an unknown quantity maybe for, for Livingston fans, but a player that's impressed in the, in the preseason game so far. Our secret weapon, the US sub, 
Dante Povara. Huh? Huh? All right, guys. Yeah, I want to start Dante Povara. Um, Ramadani, you know, the speculation, the liking of the tweets on social media, his head's not in the right spot. I'd like to start Dante Povara. He looks good. He's obviously featured a lot previously, uh, very recently for Charleston Battery. He was impressed in pre-season. I know he certainly impressed us up at Tariff. Um, he's got a marvellous mullet. Uh, and he's six foot four. Get him in the middle of the park. Uh, to, to deal with um, uh, Mo Sangari. That'll sort them out. And uh, he deserves a chance, I reckon, at this stage, especially since he wants to be here. Arguably, Ramadan, he does not. No, he doesn't. And I'm looking forward to Slobodan Rubicic potentially starting as well, coming out with an aggressive playing style, as he says. And John Beaton is the man in the middle for this weekend's game. So um, for those that like a, a wee bit, I'm sure uh, he's maybe a stick on for a yellow card this weekend. Um, but, you know, even um, hearing you and speaking about short corners gives me PTSD at some of our attempts at short corners. You speaking about how we bottle it in front of large away crowds. It, it all gives me excitement, goosebumps. It, the season's just about upon us and the fun will begin and the morning will undoubtedly follow quite quickly if things go horribly wrong on Saturday. But fingers crossed from our point of view anyway, Callum. Um, things go according to plan and we're coming up the road with three points or you're going back across uh, to Sterling or wherever you're being based this weekend with the, with the three points. But Ewan, thank you very much for your appearance here live on Red Tinted Glasses tonight um, and giving us the, the Livingston insight into the weekend's game. Um, what are you going to predict for the weekend? Because you made me predict on your podcast, so I'm going to make you predict on our podcast. I can't come on and predict a defeat, can I? Yeah. So uh, I'll go for a I'll go for a one each, a hard fought one each draw. I'll go for absolute yeah. fence setter, but I don't care. No, well that's fair enough. I for for um, uh, context, I predict a two one win on the Talk Livy podcast as well, and it's mm. there in in recording, so people can go back and, and prove that as well. And I'll do that on here as well, Callum. As we say, I was going to predict two ones as well, but I'll stick my neck out and say three one instead, just to be a little bit different. Um, you know, Livingston are, are a good side; they're probably more match sharp than us, but I think our quality will hopefully see us through. Um, but thank you very much for joining us, you and I will forgive you for your mention of David McNamee and the PTSD <laughs> that caused. <laughs> uh, he's a league cup. He's a league cup winner, David McNamee. Love the big, <laughs> love the guy, love the guy a bit. Thank you very much, Ewan. And just for anybody, because um, there might be some Livingston fans tuning in to hear um, our point of view um, on the live episode, where can people catch Talk Livy for after they finish with this episode tonight? Yeah, so you can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can see a handle there at Talk Livy. And if you want to tune into our latest episode, which was released yesterday, which our first one of the season, so. That's on all the usual all the usual sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube as well. So feel free to tune in. Perfect. You and enjoy the rest of your evening. Don't enjoy Saturday too much and all the best for the season ahead. Cheers, lads. Enjoy. That was you and Rankin from the Talk Livy podcast joining us to preview the game this weekend. Callum, excitement definitely there ahead of the weekend. Mm. Um, probably buoyed by what we saw at the weekend in the 3-2 win over Charlton in that opening 45 minutes, especially when we were very free-flowing in attacking football because going in at halftime 3-0 up against a League One side, that is when the excitement really got going for a lot of people. 
Oh, I was so close to saying we're winning the league. So close at that <laughs> moment. Uh, very, very comfortable in the opening 45. Encouraging, free-flowing attack in football. Graham Shinney getting involved uh, in, in the goals as well. Very encouraging. And, oh boy, did I love seeing that chap attempt to take on Duke and just bounce straight <laughs> off him. Yeah. I know, you can tell he's been working out with Jay at Bannatyne, so good to see <laughs> that Jay's been helping him build his muscles. Um, up there and and some good minutes and good assists for Dante Povara and Shaden Morris as well. So I'm sure both their confidence has been buoyed. Um, you know, Shaden's certainly a player that I've been critical of in the in the final third and probably as well a player that's been played out of position um, so far in preseason. Just wonder how much minutes we'll get out of Shaden going into the, the real stuff starting now that Ordadi is uh, in the door as well. Yeah, there'll be an interesting one. Because obviously, he has started off at right wing back quite a lot for us. Um, obviously, partly due to the fact we've required Nicky Devlin to play centre back. But it will be interesting to see how it all pans out uh, in terms of our back three slash five. Um, mm-hmm. be- because of you know the addition to Slobodan, who looks like he's ready to go straight in. It certainly looks eager, and I would be excited if he was in from the start. Um, but then you've got the problem of of the left side of defence, who else plays alongside Slobodan? If Nicky Devlin needs to play at the centre-back, is it Morris? Is it Dadia that plays right wing-back? It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who I would prefer. I, I think I'd rather see or Dadia, uh, if I'm honest, uh, just to see what he's about, really, because there's still no little about him. Um, but if Shady Moore's going to get his chance, I'd, I'd prefer it wasn't at wing-back. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well interesting kind of selection headaches that um, Barry Robson faces this weekend and interesting guest at, at the game at the weekend as well with Lewis Capaldi taking in the game. I think that was a crossover that many didn't expect to see um, coming out at full time with his photos with uh, Connor Barron and Graham Shinney alike. So um, I wonder um, if he'll be taking in more games uh, across the season, maybe bringing us a bit of a luck as well. You never know. You never know. He also got a photo with Johnny, uh, which they both looked absolutely delighted in. Uh, but good, you know, it's good to see him enjoying himself, I suppose, as well. Uh, given you know the well-documented uh, issues he's been having, and uh, taking in some some luscious football from the Reds, and uh, and witnessing the Duke show. Absolutely right, Callum. Without further ado, we'll get on to the main event of your evening and yes. the main event that's been filling up the comments for those interacting with us here live on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. So continue to provide your thoughts on the upcoming topics because it's certainly been heating up on the transfer front, Callum. Barry Robson coming out today and saying he knows what he wants. He won't put a number on the player he wants, but they have been holding talks with people down south. Um, was what he said. Well, I said down the road, and I was wondering if that meant Liam Scales or how far down the road he was going. But I kind of feel the ships maybe sailed on Liam Scales, and I'm getting a bit fed up of it dragging out. Um, more on that situation a, a little bit later. But let's start with the kind of hot topic of Yilber Ramadani, Callum. We spoke about him briefly um, a little bit ago um, about whether or not his future lies. There's a comment coming from BCRL that suggests that Ramadan is potentially gone with a 1.1 million fee with a 10% sell. Now, if I remember correctly, I'm sure that was the fee that was initially rejected by the club and Barry Robson coming out um, and actually saying in the, the, the press conference that um, there was a bid um, accepted 
but I uh, know sorry rejected, um, and he was still going to be part of the the squad for the weekend. But I think as you alluded to. Um, when we were speaking about the Livingston game in general, I don't feel his head will be in the right space for the game this weekend. No, neither do I. I'm trying to find out um, where all this, this nonsense has come from because uh, we don't been on Twitter. So I've just had a quick look, can't find anything quickly. So let us know in the comments down below where this information is coming from, please. Um, don't start him. Uh, the liking of posts on social media, mm. etc. A little bit disrespectful, but I still love him, so it's tough. Um, I I don't know. How would you How would you feel about him him going for for a decent fee? He's he's not one of the younger players in the squad. He's no. not. He's not. He's come in for a cheap fee. We've managed to finish third with him. He's he, he's banged his chest a few times. We've all lapped it up, and then we've got a, a decent fee that can then be reinvested. Uh, how would you feel about that? But no, Sarpovara that we can regardless. No, I. It's interesting. I was having this debate with with Chris at work today, and it's, you know he, he's nearing his thirties. I think he's 27, 28. and he's a player that we probably can't get much of a, a sell on fee with. So you know, for getting ten percent, then then that's a great deal. And I think I saw Kaiser in the comments as well saying that the Budapest have got a a sell on fee of whatever we get from him um, leaving the club. I think the fact that he has openly liked all these tweets again and not uh, decides to unlike them on this occasion. He's followed a few of the Italian journalists. He's followed Lecce on Instagram or, or Twitter as well. He's almost like he's pining for that move mm. and, you know, not interested. A few people were commenting on his actions after the game um, against Charlton as well, the way he acted with throwing his top and his training top into the crowd and, and waving goodbye. Some people maybe took that as him just, you know, thanking the fans that travelled down. Some took it as a, a, a goodbye. It feels weird as well, Callum. I think, you know, we've only had him one season. Mm-hmm. Um, people also saying that he's replaceable. Some people arguing he's not. I think he was a player that a lot of us, and we've said it on the podcast, a player that maybe got what it meant to play for Aberdeen. Um, but ultimately, money talks. I also made the point as well, um, listening back to a Red TV interview that he did before the League Cup semi-final about how his dad's never been able to come over and see him play for, for Aberdeen. I don't think his brother managed either um, due to, to visa issues. So I do wonder if there's a bit of homesickness in there and the ability that he's not been able to see his family. So moving back closer to, to family um, and the option to play in, in Serie A as well is obviously what's a, attractive to him. But it also fits the model that we've been doing mm-hmm. as a club, bringing in players, developing them and then selling them on for a profit. What annoys me most about this deal, though, is how close to the start of the season it's happening. I know that's kind of unavoidable, Um in terms of transfers, but it now puts that bit of extra pressure on the likes of Dante Povara and Connor Barron to to fill that gap of an experienced player that that Yilmer, Yilmer Ramadani brought. You know, he's an Albanian internationalist as well, and I'm sure he'd have provided plenty of experience on the European stage, albeit maybe not having any experience in terms of playing European competition. But as I said, it's it, it, it's just that bit of experience that we're, we're going to lack 
and now puts us pressure on probably getting in a replacement because heaven forbid some Dante or Connor pick up an injury, we're suddenly, you know, um, light in the middle of the pitch. I saw. I think he will be replaced. I will come on to the rumor that uh, you sent me uh, just after this uh, about who he was going to be replaced by. Do you not remember it? Well, it'll be a surprise <laughs> to everyone then. Um, I yeah, look. He maybe could have got one about gone about things in a little bit of a better way, but we've avoided the whole hand in a transfer request nonsense, and he gets to move way closer to his family. Probably, you know, make a, a good chunk more of more money playing in Serie A than maybe where he, wherever he goes from there. We've qualified for Europe with him, um, and and we make a decent profit on him as well. So it sort of works out for everyone in the end. And Boyan has clearly moved on as well and made new friends, so that's that's good for him. At least yeah. he's over it. Um, so I, I, I'm. A bit sad to see him go, especially after only a season. I didn't expect it to happen, but good luck to him. And if we replace him as well, I think he would be need replaced. Um, then, mm-hmm. then I would be delighted. With yeah, and I think BCRL points out that Ramadani played the most minutes for us last season as well. So it's not like he's a, a player that was down the pecking order. He was a key part of the team last season in, in finishing third. So definitely does need replaced as well. And, you know, I, I do know a few people obviously jokingly drawing comparisons to the fact that we've taken in a Serbian and an Albanian going straight out the door um, almost instantly. But I'm sure there's nothing to be read into that. It's just a bit of lighthearted humour on, on that sense that you see on, on social media. Um, interesting, though, I know you want to pick up on the, the replacement, so I'll let you go and get into that then. Okay, thank you. Uh, you. It was you that sent me it. I can't believe you don't remember it. No. Or maybe you just didn't want to say his name. It was Yanni Atanasov. Now, oh. this could also this could be total, this was, total nonsense. This, yeah, this was a Clivo rumour that I got on WhatsApp, so I'm assured it's probably going to be a load of nonsense, so I'll let you go with it. But you never know. You know, this is what rumours are about. You know, we've got to cling on to everything and, you know, see where it goes. It's just a little bit of fun. Uh, Yanni Atanasov. Um, is in line to be Ramadan's replacement once his move to Italy is confirmed. Robson seems to confirm this to Alan the Crownsman at Cormac Park today that Aberdeen met his release clause of €500,000 and the Cracovia player will fly in for talks over the next few days. Fellow Macedonian and international teammate Bojan Miovski is believed to be highly influential in making this deal happen. Look, whoever made this up, or Clivo, they had a lot of fun with making it, but <laughs> look, He's I've searched it up. Looks a big lad. Uh, mates, mates with the. He's a he's a real person, by the way. Uh, yeah. Mates with Boyan potentially. Get him in the door. Get another Balkan in. I don't care if it's shite or not. You know the nonsense he's now going to send me that you've read that out in full is going to be unbearable. That's um, but I, I suppose we we mentioned him on the the last show. The, the lad Phillips from Crystal Pal- Palace has obviously been linked. I just wonder if there's anybody kind of more domestically that we could look at. And I actually mentioned it to you and yesterday when I was speaking to him, Stephen Kelly, I know he's maybe more of a number 10, but it impresses as well. And a player I liked domestically in terms of maybe a replacement um, for Yoba Ramadani would be Benny Beningami from Hearts. I know I've spent last season um, out injured for a long period of time, but I always thought he was a very tidy player on the ball and did a lot of the dirty work. Um, during his first kind of spell in, in the team, lot uh, probably been two seasons ago now. 
Yeah, he's a very good player. However, I see he was out for all of last season. I think it might have been, um, mm. and also Hearts would want an arm and a leg for him. I would imagine. Uh, however, also still looking domestically, uh, I posed the question about Keanu Bacchus uh, yeah. on our Twitter, to which there was a lot of mentions of uh, Mark O'Hara. And I would be interested to see which of those two you would potentially prefer. Uh, well, and I'll read. The, I'll do that. I'll find the results of the poll. Yeah, you do that, okay. Um, see, this is great teamwork for a live event. Um, I'm definitely more in the Mark O'Hara camp. Um, I think, you know, a, a goal scorer as well continues the theme of um, lanky bastards in the team that we've gone in terms of signing as well. But I think a few people also pointed out the fact that Mark O'Hara recently signed up a new contract at St Mirren or is certainly on a longer contract than Keanu Bacchus who would cost us more money. If you're looking at Keanu himself, I think Bolton Wonders had a bid of £200,000 accepted for him um, and for whatever reason the player decided against going down south to, to Bolton. If that is all the money that it's going to take to get him away from St Mirren, then I'm sure we can quite easily afford £200,000 for um, Keanu. Um, a player that, um, for those that have tuned into a lot of our episodes, will remember that when Alan McCarley was on the show previously, um, he was a player that was um, mentioned by Alan as a, a player that starred in the in the A League and has obviously now earned his move um, to Scotland. Um, so I can see the logic to, to to both players, but yeah, my preference would probably be leaning towards more Marco Haro. I think Marco Haro would probably cost a little bit more uh, if we're being realistic but as a player you probably would prefer him um, mm-hmm. however uh, I, I do think if we if it was going to be Bacchus I think we would have to pay a little bit more than what Bolton would have just because we're in the same league and they won't yeah, really want to sell their one of the better players for, for pennies obviously an international um, uh, for Australia but I said on Twitter hypothetically if Ramadani leaves for a rumoured fear of circa 1 million euros would you be happy if Aberdeen then used that feed to sign Liam Scales permanently and Keanu Bacchus from St Mirren? Now, Liam Scales, we're probably not going to get him, uh, no. especially not for pennies, especially since he's doing quite well at Celtic in pre-season, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck him. Um, Keanu Bacchus, people, basically on Keanu Bacchus, people said 83% yes, they'd have him. 17% uh, said said no. But maybe that was maybe more about Liam Scales. Um mm. I would have him if we're looking domestically. However, if we do want to look further afield and bring in uh, some lad we've never heard of so we can all shit the bear of excitement, then I am all for it. Yeah. Um, and then, going on that then, um, speaking of unknown players that we've never heard of and we're all going to get excited about, new left-back, uh, James McGarry. Um I think we're maybe more excited than Bob Duffer is in the comment when he says he's underwhelmed already, but that just shows the differing opinions that we're all entitled to when it comes to, to football. Um, can't be bothered. Um, comments as well with McGarry potentially coming in. Does that mean no Liam Scales? Um, interesting to see if that would mean an end to Liam Scales. Um, what's your thoughts on this um, new development of a, a left-back, an actual left-back potentially yeah. being signed? I just got excited because there was a left-back um, we were being linked with. I still think we would need a left-sided centre-back, skills or otherwise, um, if we're going to play the three with, with McGarry as, as a wing-back because uh, having done a bit of research, um, just, just a tiny bit, uh, 
it seems he's definitely definitely not capable of playing left centre back. Uh, which so wing back is what James McGarry is, and I'm just excited and hope that this is the one that we are apparently close to. When Dave tweeted, we're close to two. Mm. Yeah, and and that's why I was going to ask you: Do you think? that this is the player that Dave Cormack was potentially referring to because, as you said as well, Liam Scales does seem to be doing well for Celtic in pre-season so far. And I just think if we are that close, I, I don't feel it is a Liam Scales um, uh, signing. And I think if it is gonna, Liam Scales is going to end up coming up here, then I, I do think that will be towards the end of the transfer window if we do see him coming into Aberdeen. Sam, you donut. He's not a centre-back. <laughs> He's a left-back or left-wing-back. What are you talking about? Or are you speaking about Liam Scales? Maybe I'm the donut. Regardless. <sighs> yes, James McGarry. Um, I, I think it's good that we're addressing the problem. Um, I think he's a good age as well. Obviously, know very, very little about him. However, I will note that this is... We'll be signing him from the same club that Mark Birigitti was, was at. Yeah. So... Let's take, sorry to dampen some spirits, but um, yeah, and Ziggy Gordon was there as well. So, was there not somebody else? Did Hearts not sign somebody? Oh, no, is it not? Uh, maybe it's Hibbs. Is that James Jego? Did he come from Central Coast Mariners as well? Quite possibly. They are just a supply chain for like the net, for not, not like the top two uh, clubs, but just like, and not really anyone else, just like the middle three. Um, however, well, I'm they won a trophy last season as well because that's who Jason Cummings was playing for. So he knows how to win trophies. Oh, and he knows Jason Cummings. Get him in the door. <laughs> um, he's now playing at India, funnily enough. But yeah. I've done you, despite the fact I've got a cold in August, you have forced me to do some extra work and research. And that mm-hmm. was look at James McGarry uh, on Football Manager. Now, Football Manager, uh, you know, obviously not the pinnacle, pinnacle of accuracy. However, has been used by Sky Sports. And uh, I will back it up by saying that they do put a lot of research into the players. Uh, in fact, that Kale Madsen, Madsen, who does the Aberlytics for uh, on Twitter, he is the Aberdeen researcher for it, um, for, for Aberdeen players anyway. So I am now going to work out how to present what he looks like, uh, etc. Um, I am prepared slightly. And here is James McGarry and his attributes on screen. Now, you will notice that uh, it's out of... So the numbers here, out of 20. Um, it suggests that he's very much an attacking fullback, a wingback, good at crossing, good at dribbling. He's five foot ten. However, apparently not very good with his right foot, despite the fact we've seen a video of him knocking on it in the top corner <laughs> on Twitter recently. With decent work rate, and physically, he's okay, if not a little bit lightweight, uh, at just... Five, uh, 10 strength out of 20. So middle of the road there, Glenn. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, have you had a quick chance there? Well, it's like being back on the Callum Wright YouTube channel all over again. Um, yeah. A ter- terrible section for those tuning in on audio, but great for those tuning in uh, uh, on YouTube as well. Interesting stats and probably, again, goes into that mould of a player that we can work on, develop, and then potentially sell on for profit as well. I do quite like the look of that Um option there um, where he is a player that we can kind of work on what does concern me and it probably goes back to the point that Sam was making about not being able to play across the defence is if he is very much one-footed because we've kind of seen that problem with Jack McKenzie being very left-footed and the the problems that that causes 
Um, but it is an area that we need to strengthen uh, on the left side of defence. We've been crying out for it. So we almost can't get to the point where we're we're getting too picky. And did you compare them to how he stacks up against Hayden Coulson and, and Johnny Hayes, was it? I actually did, and Jack McKenzie as well. So we'll have a little little look. So Jack McKenzie will be his probably direct competition, uh, most most likely, as well as obviously Johnny Hayes too. Uh, so let's have a little look. Uh, it would appear to me that the Jack McKenzie is probably better defensively. Oh Jesus, uh, I'm messing this all up. But you'd expect that Jack McKenzie a bit more of a left back, whereas James McGarry appears to be slightly better going forward, but it does concern me some of his defensive attributes uh, with a marking of 8, tackling of 9 and positioning of 8 all out of 10. Uh, so that is a bit of a concern. But in terms of going forward, he certainly seems to stack up a bit better than Jack McKenzie. So there's that. Do you want to do some filler whilst I prepare Johnny Hayes? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking I can't wait for Duke to be watching this video and discussing it with Jack in the changing room tomorrow, saying look how you're comparing to this potential new guy. Um, but interesting to see how how he compares to Jack McKenzie on that d- defensive stats. Um, I'll be interesting to see how he compares to Hayden Coulson because Hayden was a, a player that I certainly thought held his own. Um, but mm. you've got the the stats here for Johnny Hayes. So how does he compare to um, Johnny regular concussion sufferer Hayes? This is a fucking new low, isn't it, Glenn? Um, yeah. So, in terms of Johnny Hayes, uh, his mental attributes appalling compared to Johnny Hayes, but Johnny Hayes is a, a, a mentality monster, so that's fair enough. He looks slightly better at crossing the ball, which is great news because Johnny can barely cross a rose at times, bless him. <laughs> uh, defensively, looks relatively similar, but a better of a passer of the ball, apparently, um, and physically pretty similar. Um, which given James McGann is coming into this prime of physical age uh, and Johnny Hayes is ancient, a little bit of a worry. Yeah, and, you know, this content is good enough for Sky Sports News, so it can be good enough for the RTG viewers. And if this helps you in your next career move, Callum, then don't forget me when you're presenting transfer talk on, on Sky Sports News. That's my dream job. If I get to do football manager shit on Sky and just be like, oh, look at these attributes, uh, that would be brilliant. But I've got yeah. I've got the Hayden Coulson comparison, which we'll just quickly look at. Uh, Hayden Coulson, pretty highly rated on football manager um, for some reason. Uh, h- however, uh, in terms of technical ability, apparently Coulson better, which um, I'm not surprised. Pretty silky feet, good on him. Uh, well done to him. Mental attributes, Pretty similar. Uh, however, physically, which I think was a lot of a concern around Coulson, James mm. McGarry seems to come out on top with an average of 11 compared to Hayden Coulson's 10. So there we go. I hope this hasn't uh, dampened too many spirits uh, on on the new signing. Uh, you and Grant, yeah, no longer excited about McGarry. Football manager's not gospel. And this was uh, at, for the start of the 22 no, this was from from January, the latest attributes from January's update. So maybe he's got better since. Let's hope. And Barry can improve anyone. He can. And uh, I noticed West Coast, Coast Sheep tweeted us to say that Scott Burns um, has said that McGarry won't be in before the weekend. Um, and it seemed to be from the press conference, Barry Robson indicated there would be a signing um, before the weekend. Um, so maybe we've got somebody new um, to 
get excited about. But one player that we will be getting excited about is Slobodan Rubicic, or Ruby, as he wants to be known, um, going by his um, Red TV interview. And yes, I wondered how long it would be before one of us breaked out into Kaiser Chiefs. Um, excited to see what he can offer, Callum. Absolutely. This is the combination of uh, my two favourite things in football. Nostalgia. Right, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Nostalgia and signings. Two favourite things combined. Slobodan Rubicic, six foot four, watched his interview. Gentle giant. Seems a lovely chap. Lo- fucking loves the grey buildings. Don't listen to anyone when they say Aberdeen is grey. He loves them and that's good enough for me. Uh, Barry seems to love him going off his presser. Okay, so exciting new signing. Kaiser Chiefs always used to get played at Pataudry when I first started going, and it's just brought back Ruby into my life. Combine them both, recipe for success. Well, we're on to a winner then. And he yeah. fits the, the mantra that Barry Robson's looking for in, in terms of players. He said he wants to have three things in when he's signing players at Aberdeen. He, they have to be winners, they have to be aggressive, but they also have to be good characters for the dressing room because we currently have a good dressing room, so we don't want to disrupt that. And judging by what um, Ruby had to say, he said that he likes to play aggressively, so expect a few cards um, as well, like we said, probably this weekend. Um, but he also, as you said, seems to be a gentle giant. He likes walking around Aberdeen and admiring those historical buildings. He loves Aberdeen. He loves the stadium. It reminds him of a, one of those historic old stadiums, as he called Pataudry as well. Yeah. He buy, buys into that nostalgia to just go with the, the feeling that you've had as well. And he also feels that Scotland's the perfect country to develop his game uh, as well in listening to that interview as well. Sounds like we're the right fit for him. I'm just excited to see what he can produce on the pitch. And the other encouraging thing as well is he's already had a full pre-season behind him as well with his previous club as well. So should be ready to go if called upon um, at the weekend. Absolutely. That is the main thing for me. And also, although he's had a pre-season, which fitness suggests he will be absolutely fine. uh, The other concern for me would have been How's he going to slot in? Because, you know, he's moving over here. Perhaps he wouldn't have spoke uh, the best English, uh, not really knowing anyone. However, Boyan seems to have adopted him. In his interview, he spoke incredible English. Uh, mm. So communication wouldn't really be a concern for me. So I would fully expect him to go straight in. Um, he's a very good age, a cheap, relatively cheap signing. Um, I suppose when you consider the risk compared to the potential reward. Uh, he's 23 years old, three years with a, a, an ex- a potential extension of, of one more year. I love it. Absolutely love it. And the fact he looks fucking mental, but then he's actually just a really nice guy, uh, it seems. Um, really, really does, suits me. And uh, if he's aggressive on the park, even better. A big bastard. Yeah, and I liked how in that interview as well, he kind of name-dropped... Um, Nemanja Vidic as a player he looked up to if he's anything the player Nemanja Vidic was then wow that's going to be good as well and yeah I do like the little bromance that he seems to have um, struck up with Boyan as well Boyan's quickly forgotten about Yilva Ramadani as well and finding a new new partner in crime and on Yilva Ramadani um, Paul Donaldson in the comments saying that Anthony Joseph the Sky Sports News reporter has now posted that Aberdeen have accepted a bid from Lecce for Yilva Ramadani 
um, that bid is £1.1 million with a 10% sell-on clause as well. So uh, interesting to see how that develops over the next kind of 48 hours. And certainly those may be tuning into the audio version of this episode that haven't joined us live on the episode. Probably some of this information is maybe slightly outdated uh, as well, but that's the, the way things go um, during the transfer window as well. Um Calm, I suppose with no official numbers on it, do you expect any signings to be made before the, the game this weekend? Barry Robson said he hoped to have somebody in the door. Uh, obviously, as I said, that, that tweet from Scott Burns maybe seemed to allude that McGarry's not going to be in this weekend. Would you be happy if there wasn't any signings before the weekend? Um, at this stage, can't imagine that they would they would feature uh, if they did come mm. in. Uh I'd like to think Barry probably knows better than Scott Burns, however, so I'm choosing to trust uh, the gaffer on this one. Whether um, there might be issues, I suppose, with, with McGarry coming over in terms of visa or whatever, I don't know how how things would go from from Australia or being, being from New Zealand uh, because obviously we've not signed a player from there uh, yet and I, I don't tend to pay attention to the rest of the bastards. So um, it would be interesting. <laughs> it'd be, it'd, it'd be interesting, but Perhaps given how things have gone with Slowbrand, where there was no indication at all um, about about any sort of issues, perhaps we are now nipping in, nipping things in the bud in terms of leaking it being done before mm. all that sorted. So maybe maybe that is all out of the way. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, of course. Um, but the first player that we've maybe signed from um, down under, but wouldn't be the first Kiwi to play for Aberdeen, of course, um, Rory Fallon um, having that honour. Um, but certainly something to keep on top of and keep uh, additional content for us um, after the um, Livingston game and um, what transfer speculation um, comes from that. And I'm sure on the next episode of Red Tinted Glasses, we'll have all the fallout um, from the Yilber Ramadani transfer saga, if it's completed, if it's still dragging on. And we'll have our, our, our thoughts on that. Um, in terms of other news then, Callum, um, we've got cup competitions to look forward to. We'll also, on the next show, be reviewing the Europa League playoff draw because that takes place on Monday the 7th of August as well. But one draw that has already taken place, Callum, was the League Cup draw, which has saw the Dons paired with Sterling Albion. It's another trip to Fourth Bank. But the game has been moved to Friday night to accommodate the Highland Games on the Saturday. So the Dons will be travelling to Stirling on the Friday evening with a 7.45 kickoff. The game will not be televised, however. Um, we have offered our services to Mr Burrows if the club want to do a stream and they're looking for two terrible but funny commentators. Uh, Alan, feel free to give us a shout. Um, what's your thoughts on the draw, Callum? I'm happy. Um we obviously don't have good history with drawing the lowest ranked team in the competition oh. recently, but a chance to right those wrongs, not on TV, so there's not all that pressure of us, you know, waiting for the slip up. Um, on paper, it's a very, very good draw uh, for mm-hmm. us. Best chance of getting through to the next round. Uh, but obviously, we beat them under Jim Goodwin, so Barry should have it no problem. Uh, in theory, the pies smashing at, at fourth bank. And uh, some, some a little bit something a little bit different. Uh, I'm happy. Friday night football, bit of an inconvenience for for people at, at after work. Uh, however, again, just spicing it up, keeping it a little bit different. Will we play on every single night of the week or day of the week this season? 
Well, it's quite possible because we definitely have a couple of Wednesday fixtures. And I know for home midweek games, the club like to play on a Tuesday. So we'll be over uh, halfway there anyway by the end of August. Thursday, yeah. Sunday, Saturday and Friday. Yeah, we will be. And as you put it, um, the Friday might be inconvenient for those potentially travelling from Aberdeen uh, uh, um, after a full day's work. But it's maybe the first time the SBL are actually giving us a helping hand. It allows us an extra 24 hours to rest ahead of the opening playoff um, first leg because that will be the, the game after the Sterling game. So uh, as I said in a group chat, maybe that kind of ideal opposition to have in the warm-up for a, a tough game coming up in the Europa League playoff? Are you bullied providing we go about it the right way? By that, I mean play a strong team, get the job done with half an hour to go, 20 minutes to go, take off your, your key players. And then we've got plenty of time to arrest them, prepare them and uh, travel as well, I suppose. Well, if we do have to travel, because obviously the draw's not been made, but um, we all know what happens when we play lower league teams in the League Cup um, before a um, you know a European game, because that Wraith game still sticks in the memory. And I'm sure um, that's going to be something that Barry won't want to have with... Yes, he will have one mind on that playoff game, but I think you're right. He won't want to disrespect Sterling Albion and disrespect what is one of our better chances of winning silverware at, at such an early stage. Barry will not disrespect opposition. I fully believe that he is a man that respects the cup and uh, and will play a very good side. And I suppose it was mentioned that we've got then got less time to prepare for it after the Celtic game but I would be just a little bit more concerned about the European tie, especially if there's travel. Having the extra day is brilliant. Yeah. Um, so speaking then of travel, potentially, let's look at the Europa League draw um, and what we could potentially face. And a thanks goes to Paul Donaldson, uh, as always very informed in the comments on YouTube, whether it's during these lives or afterwards. Uh, and he's brought up some of the potential opponents that we can face. Now, Aberdeen are in priority pot one for the Europa League playoff draw. So what will happen in terms of the format of the draw is that we will face teams from pot four. Now, I believe there's only three teams currently in pot four. And then once the three teams from pot four have been matched off against teams from pot one, three teams from pot three will then get matched off from teams from pot one. So, um, Paul has picked up some of the teams that um, we can face, and they're on screen now for those that are watching this live on YouTube. So Lugano of Switzerland are fixed in pot four, and they have a lower coefficient ranking that, than us, and they're based in Switzerland. Uh, one of the other teams guaranteed to be in pot four as well are the losers of the Slavia Prague versus Dnipro 1 game in the third qualifying round. So potential, um, I think it would be quite fitting, actually, if we ended up playing Dnipro in our playoff for group stage, given that was the last team we beat before going into the group stage. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to your nostalgic look. Um, Olympiakos uh, is potential opponents, because I believe they've got a third round qualifier to play as well. There should also be Ghent from Belgium uh, as possible op opponents for pot four. Um, Paul also notes Astana or Ludigrets um, as possible opponents as well. And um, I noted from the Wikipedia page there was um, one of the Cypri one of the Limassol teams from Cyprus, and also the 
losers of the BK Haken, of course, former opponents for us in Europe, and Klaxvik, who beat Ferenc Varos in the Champions League and currently have Haller Hansen, former Don, in their side. They're in extra time just now in their game, um, 2-2 after the, the second leg in Sweden. Um, Genk, I think, was one of the teams that can go. They're also um, set for extra time um, in that leg just now. Um, so interesting to see um, who we could get and we'll we'll find out that um, on Monday. But any excitement building for European football for you yet, Callum, or not so much given you're going to be on holiday for the playoff? No, not at all. Those are the holiday for the playoff. I booked it when we were shit. I didn't think there was even going to be a chance of this. Um, and it's actually at a terrible time because five days once we're back, starting uni, need to get a flat sorted. Fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so, no, no excitement, just fear. Um, it would be nice to play in Nipro and a bit romantic, I suppose. Other than that, no real preference for me because I won't be there. Yeah, interesting to see as well. Um, HJK Helsinki will potentially be down in there. Breedleblick are um, getting a right doing from Copenhagen so far tonight, um, likely to drop down into that playoff as well. Uh, and previous um, European opposition that we faced, um, probably before me and you were born, um, Zalgiris Villainous um, from Lithuania um, as well. They've just gone 1-0 down to Galatasaray. Um that's 3-2 on aggregate now to the, the Turkish outfit. So um, interesting to see who we face uh, on Monday uh, in that, that playoff game, obviously with guaranteed European football, regardless of the, the result. Um, and I'm sure depending who we get, maybe some of you will be deciding whether or not that trip is worthwhile, knowing that we've got um, three European away games to, to follow Um later on in the year so certainly one to have skyscanner and, and booking.com open i'm sure for for a lot of you on on monday mm, yes not for me however unfortunately because there's no teams from budapest potentially we could draw nor zagreb so fuck no. off <laughs> no, not yet anyway i'm not sure if how much of those permutations can can change but we'll be across that and bring you our reaction to the draw on, on next week's show but um of course the focus this weekend is on premiership action as don's head to livingston to kick off the new season we'll both be in intent in attendance we're both looking forward to the real action getting started and then either reviewing a fine victory or picking the bones out a disastrous start to the campaign before the champions visit Pataudry, um for the opening home match um, of the season for the Dons. But I'm sure it will be a most positive start to the season. If not, you can blame me for being more confident than Callum for a change. Yeah, well, I'm just, I was just upset about the possibility that we're going to have to talk about a loss after not doing that for so long. Um, <laughs> as long as I still get to do my transfer uh, rumours, then I'll be happy. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll find something to keep you happy. And um, not sure quite yet if we'll be doing that as a live or if we'll just do that as a pre recorded episode. Uh, we'll see what the week brings and what the weekend brings as well. You also have to subscribe and follow us and follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast to find out. Yeah, that's very true. And over 800 of you now um, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. So thank you very much to those of you um, that, that do subscribe on the audio platform as well. 
as you do um, here over on the YouTube channel. If you have been watching tonight and haven't done so already, please do hit that like button um, as well down below. Uh, until next time, um, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the start of the season, whether you're going to Livingston or not. I guess it's for the first time this season. Come on, you Reds!